0: Welcome to another
1: episode of Amazon Legends. Uh, today, I have a designer, inventor, m- engineer, and a mentor with a passion in multiple industries. And he's the quintessential entrepreneur and the owner of Halpin Solutions. So uh, everybody meet my guest, Sean Halpin. Welcome to the show, Sean. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Uh, thank you. It's a total honor. To you know, you 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 keep inventing all this stuff, you, you bury yourself in these inventions, and I don't know how you find time to come here, but I'm glad to have you.
0: Oh uh, believe me, my 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 list of things to do is this long. And uh and they're all over here right now. Yeah, and it always gets longer, right? Oh, uh, it's never ending. What well, if uh I always joke around, it's like there's never nothing to do. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so we. I have an interesting uh,
1: show in so to speak, to your story. So, you created something about 10 years ago and forgot all about it. And recently, and thanks to your daughter, it's not like you're doing this. This is your daughter. She said, oh, I think I'm going to do something with this. And now it's a hot product. So, tell us, Sean, what is that?
0: Yeah, so… So years and years ago, I was uh, training for a marathon, right? And uh, I was running around the uh, upper deck of the Superior Rink in Michigan at Frazier. And I I noticed on the banners as I was running, there was one name up there, and his name was Tim Zimmerman. And I noticed that there was like state champion after state champion after state champion after state champion after, because I'm running for hours right? while my kids are training. And I noticed there's one guy's name, and I thought, "Gosh, this guy is such a good coach." You know, what does he do that's so different? And uh, and then one day I was running up and down the stairs, and I looked down on the ice, and these kids had this square block of steel on their skates. So and I talking about ice
1: hockey, though, right? Yeah.
0: Yep. So okay. I. So so when you done, say running, uh, when you say running, I was training. Oh. I was running inside a stadium. Oh, okay. And they, so were playing, they were playing hockey down on the ice. I see. So you you're doing laps yep.
1: and, and they are training on the, yep. on the rink and, yeah. and you're seeing
0: the name. The okay. I see. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm training for my first marathon. I think I did that when I was 40 and uh, that was like my 40 thing. Right. That's like last year, right? <laughs> yeah, a couple years ago. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I saw down on the ice, these kids had this square block and it was Velcroed around on their skates. And I said, hey, who's your coach? And they said, "Uh, oh, Tim Zimmerman. And I was like, what? Tim Zimmerman? He's got the secret sauce. I was like, he's got 13 state championships. And this was years and years ago. And, and so I reached out to Tim. I said, hey, Tim, I said, you're an amazing coach. You've got the secret sauce. What is it that makes your team win every single year? And he said, "My teams work harder. They use these, these steel blocks that I make in my garage, and we put them on their skates in every practice. They skate harder than every other team, and that's why we're winning." And I was like, "Ah, oh, geez, Tim. Like I'm a designer. I, I'm working on the Ford Mustang right now. I've got you know I'm working on the body. We're in the studio." I said, I want to take your steel block, and I want to turn it into something that's really super appealing, aerodynamic, cool, something the kids want on their skates, right? And I want you to be the 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 for. I want you to be the spokesman for the product. I want to launch you and your idea into the world. And uh, he's like, okay, cool, let's do it. You know. So I spent some time, and I took his square steel block, and I redesigned it, and. And this is what it looks like right now. So this right here at one time was a steel block. And so I took eh, something similar to the Ford Mustang hood scoop right here and I put that on there. And then I took something similar to the uh, Polaris Razor uh, features that are on the quad because we do design those also. So I, I combined a couple of design features on this product and we created a half pound weight for the younger kids. And this is for the pros, right? College and high school. And um, so we launched it. And so I created them, I designed them, I engineered them, I pulled them in and we gave them to teams to test. And I put them on, on, on a website. And then I put them on Amazon. So when you say, hold on back up. So when you
1: say we, we launched it, what does that launch look like? Where did you launch? Just
0: on your website, or how did that play out? We first created the website to give it some brand identity, and then I created an Amazon store, um, which for another product earlier. But I just put them on Amazon, and I thought if if parents are looking for for strengthening for their children, these these should come up, you know. So we started to sell. I just I mean, and I had a design and engineering business on in, and I had. Uh 50 people on my payroll. And this was just a project going on the side. And so we started to sell uh, one a week, then two a week, then five a week, and then 10 a week. And they started to get out there, they were trickling, but not nothing that changed anybody's life, you know. And um, and so then uh my daughter graduated with a degree in entrepreneur, and uh, and so she agreed to come and work with me and help me launch my products while I was designing cars. Um, we designed cars for, for Ram trucks, for Ford F-150, Ford Mustang, Peterbill, um, Polaris, Harley-Davidson. We did design work for all these companies. And so she was in the background growing this, uh, this business and we were kind of struggling um, getting it launched. And then I logged in and took a 20-minute uh, watched a 20 minute video how to how to advertise on Facebook. So I went through the clicks. You know, I followed the guy's video and I clicked it and made my first Facebook ad. Mm-hmm. And I launched it. I think with like a thirty dollars a day budget. And in the first week, we sold five thousand dollars of 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 a steel a steel a piece of steel with a Velcro strap on it. So-
1: and, and these sales are taking place. On your website or on Amazon? On Amazon. So you you created. So I want to, hold on, stop here because I want to dig a little bit into this. When you launched it, first of all, you cut a deal with this coach. Did you have some kind of like a branding? Did you have endorsement from him, his name, yeah. in the brand, anything like that?
0: Yeah. So he got involved. And uh I interviewed him and he we made a video of me talking about how he came up with it and how it works and how effective it is. And he was able to uh, you know, convince me that he did have the secret sauce. And uh and so he became the the face of the product for a while. And then, you know, things kind of changed and he he you know faded off. He's, um, you know, and then my daughter and I took it and you know, we're still friends, but he didn't want anything. You know, he was too busy doing other things, so he couldn't work with me. Did you name the product after him or just no. stand alone? The product is called Power Skater. So it's not two words. So the word power, S K, the number eight, R, Power <laughs> Skater. Okay. So that, that is the brand of the product that is known throughout the country in North America. Now we're in Canada now. So when you listed it on
1: Amazon, did you use him as part of your content,
0: your keywords? And um, like no, no. He was just in the background selling around locally and uh, promoting them with teams in Southern Michigan. So the reason
1: I'm asking is because when you started to get business, because this is a brand new product, nobody yeah. knows anything about it. Right. The brand that you created, nobody knows about. So it's a brand new brand brand new product that the whole world is going to know for the first time and you're getting exposure. So that has to be something to do with the description of the item because it's not this guy that's driving you traffic, right? No, right. Okay. And then the other thing that you did strategically, when you created your Facebook campaign, you didn't send it to your website. You sent it to your Amazon listing.
0: Yes, I put it on Amazon and then I – I uh, believe it or not, one of my most successful advertising avenues was uh, USA Hockey Magazine, a paper magazine. So USA Hockey Magazine goes to every hockey player, every coach, every parent in the country. So I found a very specific audience for a product, which every kid in the country gets. And I, and I was scared to spend $3,000 a month on advertising. And then in the, in the next fall, I like. I'm like. Ah, all right. I'm going to spend only three thousand dollars on advertising, and uh, and boom, you know, it just went. And then I saw twelve thousand in sales, and then twenty thousand in a month in sales, and then fifty thousand in a month in sales. Also From the magazine ad. From the magazine ad. Wow. Yep. Did,
1: did that magazine also have an online version?
0: Um, yeah, it, well, the online version went directly to my website, but when people type in the word power, S K eight R, it pops up on top in the search engine and it takes them to Amazon. Yes. And when they got to Amazon, they could see 80 reviews from parents and every parent was like, oh my gosh, my kid got, my kid became the fastest kid on the team in 90 days. Oh my gosh. I, I did a stopwatch check. He did a lap around the rink when he, before he put them on, and then I did. He did another lap around the rink after ninety days, and he had a twenty-five percent increase in speed. So those stories are on the Amazon page in the in the um, recommendations, right? And they just started to spread and spread and spread and spread, and then um, and then we have a pro team, the Thunderbirds out of North Carolina, that are using them, and uh, we've got uh, my first kid. Who It's the funniest video I got. The father made a video when I sent the product to them uh, five years ago. And so these two kids in uh, Arizona, Ryan and Aiden Nichols, you know, started using these, these products. And uh, they quickly became the fastest kids on their team and then used them for I'm not sure how long. But Ryan just finished a week at the NHL Combine uh, training in the youth NHL development program. So he's a power skater kid. And uh, he's one of the one of the kids that I'm super proud of because he, you know, training, extra training and hard work does work. I wish I knew that when I was a kid like I do now. But uh, so, yeah, I've got my one of my first users that's now being uh, scouted from all over North America and Canada right now.
1: Well, all because of this this little thing that, uh, and frankly, you know, it goes back to your running, right? So this this means that running is a good thing because you get to come (laughs) up.
0: (laughs) Well, running is a good thing. You get a lot of time to think about things. And I think I've made more decisions about my life while I was running than doing anything else.
1: Well, it clears your mind, doesn't it? Uh, it,
0: it, Absolutely. it, uh, It
1: gets rid of stress. So uh, it's a it's a it's a whole body
0: workout. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it clears yeah. your mind and it puts puts uh, motivational, energetic things in your mind,
1: and also psychological, right? Because you, psychological. running is tough, and how do you keep going? So it's all about the uh, mental strength. Yeah. So uh, tell me about the part that your daughter played. So when she graduated, mm-hmm. she started to. Do this or how, how did that initial start? Well, let's let's do something with this.
0: right. So she had a lot of energy and she loved being an entrepreneur and she loved being involved in products that nobody else had. And so uh, we moved to California. we moved out to uh, Dana Point her and I and um and we worked together there for a couple of years and uh, she built the website. she did a lot of the videos that are on the website you know, I taught her how to do the Facebook ads and she got pretty good at that. And, uh, so yeah, she was kind of doing my, my, my small business product development stuff while I was designing, you know, car parts remotely in my living room for, you know, for Harley Davidson.
1: (laughs) I see. Okay. So her degree came in handy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She was always, she was a young entrepreneur. She, uh, she had her own business when she was 12. I taught her how to do magic when she was 12. And so she had shelbymagic.com. So she was making $50 an hour doing magic shows around town to uh, six-year-old and five-year-old birthday parties At a, as a 12-year-old, <laughs> $50 an hour. And, and, uh, and I taught her how to do ventriloquism too. And she was way ahead of Jeff Dunham, man. I taught that girl how to do ventriloquism. So she would do a magic show and ventriloquism. And make, you know, 50 to 100, depending on tips, an hour at 12. She actually had a float in a parade with shelbymagic.com. She's an entrepreneur also. And I'm just super proud of her. I love her to death.
1: Well, I mean, it sounds like she was an entrepreneur, naturally.
0: Yeah, yeah. She, she always had that. I remember when she got a job as a lifeguard and she came to me and said, Dad, I have to work eight hours to make as much money as I did when I was doing magic. And I was like... Mm. ah so what would you rather do sit in a lifeguard stand watching kids pretend they're drowning in a pool or would you rather do magic and make 50 to 100 dollars an hour you know it's like you're you're old enough now you can decide what you want to do
1: (laughs) so i want to take you back to the beginning because when you and i connected and then we had a conversation about how you started so you, you took me back to how this whole thing started, right. which was post-financial meltdown. Yes. So uh, that you were sitting in the office. So tell me that story because that's the original of your starting your Amazon account,
0: right? Yeah. And, and the reason this is important is that for Amazon people is that you don't always have to start with something somebody else created. Okay. You can create your own products in your living room. On your sewing machine and put them on Amazon. So what happened was I was really into uh, the nutrition of uh, the Nutribullet. The Nutribullet is the, uh, the blender that. So I put frozen bananas and strawberries in the blender, and I would put it on my cup holder in my car. And I'd get to work, and there's a big puddle in my car. <clears throat> I'm like ah, oh. I take it into my office, and I take my my Red Wing power my Nutribullet and I'd put it on my desk and there would be a big puddle there. And I was like, man, I need a, I need a, I need a Nutribullet koozie. Right. And so I jumped on Amazon and I searched for a Nutribullet koozie, a Nutribullet jacket, a Nutribullet holder. And there wasn't one. And so then I went to Yahoo. I went to Bing. I went to Google. I started searching for an item that would hold my, my container so I wouldn't make a mess everywhere I went. And, um, and there wasn't one. So my girl that worked with me, Beth Rushdie, that I've known her for years and years and years, she's a really good uh, seamstress. So I said, Beth, I'm going to order six colors of neoprene. I'm going to order two yards and we're going to make a flat pattern and we're going to cut it out just on the table. So we had three sizes. So we had a, a, a 12, 24 and 32 ounce uh, containers and we had six colors. So that gave us 18 variations. So I logged into Amazon and I created my store. I put my business ID up there, my tax ID. I got all the information up there, corporate records and everything else they needed. And I created a store for the Amazon cruise. So I, I created this page that had a Nutribullet Koozie and it had 18 variations. And I put it on Amazon. I never did anything on Amazon before, but I just wanted to know how to create a store. So I created with something that cost me a dime and I put it on Amazon for 350 because I just wanted to learn the experience of Amazon and how could I do something with a company that's so large. I started with something very fundamental and simple. So we just sat back and walked away. And, and then Beth comes running in. We got an order. And I'm like, what? Somebody's bought one? And the next week, we had two orders. I was like, we sold two this week for 350 right? That's like big deal, right? <laughs> but, but we learned how to create a product. We learned how to package it. We learned how to get in on Amazon. We learned how to create all the variations. We learned how to do the Amazon shipping and good timing. And we learned basically everything you need to know for every product. So then the next week, there was 10 orders for Amazon for NutriBullet Coosies. And then the next week, there was 20 for Amazon And you're doing the shipping yourself? Yeah, we were shipping them right from my office in little uh, USPS prepaid envelopes, you know, and shipping out... Uh, a uh, part for three fifty that we that cost us a quarter, right? And it was just really more of a learning curve for us. So that was before the Power Skater story, right? But what I want to encourage people to do is if you search for something on Amazon and you look for it on Google and you look for it on Bing and all the other places and you don't find it, there's other people are searching for it also. And there may be opportunity to create that product. So consider creating a product that you can't find because if you're searching for it, other people will be also. So, so then what happened was I get a letter from the company that owns the word Koozie. And they were threatening to sue me because they owned the copyright trademark on that word, right? So I had to change the name. From Nutribullet Koozie to Nutribullet Juicer Jack or something like that, right? And then I showed them that I changed my name and they went away. But So I want to encourage people to be careful with the words they use and how they use them and to check to see if they're trademarked because I found out the hard way through a lawyer that I was using a word that I shouldn't have used.
1: Well, this actually is obviously it's not something you want to have. It brings legal troubles if it's a serious one. But it's also good news because if somebody gets to find out that you're doing this, clearly that means you have visibility. Right. So uh, I had a similar situation. I launched launched an e-commerce site. This is many years ago, like 20 years ago. And uh, and I saw an image, not really anything significant on a website, uh, that I thought, oh, this is a nice image. And I decided to use it as an icon right. on the homepage. page. And sure enough, and, and I was also running a Google Ads campaign. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not kidding, the first day that website went up with that little icon, in the afternoon, I get a phone call from a guy, says, I work for such and such company and uh, I'm the vice president of operations and I've been told that you're using one of our images Mm -hmm. and I need you to take it down and I said oh my god I which image and then when he told me I said you know don't worry I'll take it down right away but really you make me so happy and he goes why he says well if you found it Obviously, other people are finding it. <laughs> so, so it's not they're not finding it because of the image. They're uh, finding it because of what's on the site, which means the site has visibility. So, um, yeah, it was good news for me. I took it as as good news.
0: Now, it it did happen again uh, a few years later. I worked with a company called Iconic Motors. Uh, my friend Claudio Ballard, from New York, came to us to develop a whole car for him. And uh, we developed the car, he took it to Pebble Beach, he launched it on the 18th Green. It was a big, big event. He had our vehicle design on the 18th Green at Pebble Beach. And so he gave me some artwork to put on my website, which is Halpin Solutions, H-A-L-P-I-N, solutions.com. And so I had some uh, pictures of his vehicle on my website, and I got a letter from Getty Images, Mm-hmm. And Getty Images said, you're using a cloud image on your on your web page that is proprietary. And so I called my friend Claudio and I said, hey, can you send me the receipt that shows that you paid for that? And then I can you know, show them that I have permission to use it. And so he did. He had bought the image for, I think, twelve hundred dollars. And um, he had the receipt that he paid for it and he sent it to me and I showed it to them. That it was paid for and I had permission, and then they went away.
1: Yeah. So uh, I mean, these days, these things became so advanced because they can search just like we search keywords. You can search images, and and there are law firms. I actually went met uh, an attorney who works for a law firm that specializes in going after people who use
0: images, yeah, unauthorized. So it's a big deal. So so if, so if real quick, if you have an image that is very special to you and you're worried about it being copied or used, you can go to Google Image Search and you can put that image on Google and hit search. And it'll show you everywhere in the world on every website and everywhere it's being used. So you can find your own images if they're being copied or stolen. And tell people how you put the image in search. You copy paste into the search bar? Okay, you just you go to the... Uh, Go to Google and type in Google image search, and then it says upload photo, and then you load your very special photo or logo or whatever it is, trademark, and then it'll run a search on the whole entire internet, and it'll find anybody that's using it on any Facebook page or any advertising or anything, and uh, you'll see if it's been violated. Great. Great. Okay, so let's now dig into the Amazon aspect
1: of it. So now you've got the uh, uh, let's talk about uh, the power skater because that yeah, that okay, exactly. uh, big success. So when you put the listing up, how did you start driving traffic to it?
0: What are the things that you did? Walk us through a little bit. Okay, so I had three uh, three avenues, and this was before Instagram was was getting bigger. Now I've got an Instagram account for Power Skater. But so I, I used uh, Amazon Advertising. I used the coupons, which are very, very effective. And I used the USA Hockey Magazine. So I had three channels of advertising and all three of them kind of pointed itself back to, uh, to Amazon. And they would, some people would buy from my website, but most people would buy from Amazon you know, because of the, the reputation and, and return, uh, you know, policies and things. And so, how,
1: how did you assemble the content? Because, you know, that that plays a big role. Pictures, videos, and things like that. How did you go about doing that?
0: Well, I mean, the probably the, mo- the most effective picture is one day in uh, probably 2017. I just logged into Amazon to look at my product for some reason to read the content. And I noticed that we had a banner. We had a banner on my product. Number one on Amazon. Amazon choice. In hockey. So I looked at it and it said number one product in hockey. And I was like, oh my God, quick, (laughs) get a JPEG of that. (laughs) You'll pull that image. Because I didn't know how long it was going to be up there. Sure. So I got the banner. On my product of the number one selling product on Amazon in hockey, and I grabbed that image, and it was up there for the 2019, uh, 19 and 20 season. And so when I started sharing that that banner with the number one selling product in hockey, boom, boom, it was it was gone.
1: So it puts confidence in people, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah. When they see that banner on there, they're like, "Wow, this is." Must be amazing. That's great.
1: So you use three sources of advertising to drive traffic, yep. and and you leveraged Amazon's banner that shows as number one. And did you put that as part of your images? That's what was uh, one of the. It became one of the product images.
0: Well, I put uh, I created an image with the the product on a hockey skate, and then I put the number one selling gold star. Uh, image banner on it and I put that on as one of the image on my site. I see. Okay. And it was true. So they had to leave it. <laughs> so uh so this is all this happened in 2017? Uh, 16, 17, 18, yeah. Okay. And it's still selling off books. Yeah. Yeah. It's seasonal. Um the sales start picking up in July and then it picks up through you know August, September, November, December. And then it starts scaling down January, February, March, and then it will slow down in the summer and pick up again. So it's a seasonal product. Okay. So this is
1: actually a good segue to one of my questions. So how do you prepare for the the demand that you get? So tell
0: us about, because you obviously you're producing this. Where do you produce this? Uh, I have a person that works for me in Shenzhen and, um, I've every time I run out of every time I run out of inventory, I am a full believer in the US manufacturing and the US process. I contact casting companies around the country and ask them for a quote on my product. And all the casting companies in the United States tell me the same thing. They all say it's going to take eight weeks. And I'm like, well, I want them done in the United States. I can get them in eight weeks from China. So, why does it take you eight weeks as a US manufacturing company creating a casting for my product? I want them in two. I want 6,000 parts in two weeks, three weeks. And they're like, well, that's our process. And we go to China. So, all the US casting companies take products like mine and they go to China and get them. So, they said, we can't do them here. And here's your price. So, this is This is a tough one for people because we all want to support the United States. Unfortunately, a lot of guys like myself that are investing their own money cannot produce products in the United States and be competitive. So I got quotes from seven, eight companies. Every time I try and do a new order, I try and get a quote from U.S. company and their prices are five times more than I pay coming out of Shenzhen. It's a very, very simple product. It's a steel casting that's powder coated and it has a Velcro strap. And so as bad as and hard as I want to be patriotic to U.S. manufacturing, we can't. Yeah. We, can't we can't do it. I want to um, you know, let people know that we try to do things here, but everything won't come back. It won't. It's just, it's five times less expensive to get it out of Shenzhen. And I've got a person that works for me there um, to get, you know, the products that I can't get manufactured there. Uh, you know, and she keeps an eye on my factories and my product and my quality. And without her, I don't know if I would even be in business. So if you're thinking about doing manufacturing in China, uh, you need a person there to walk into the plants and make sure your stuff is moving.
1: Mm-hmm. So how do you plan when you are doing your, because demand planning is, is key to this. So your sales. Demand planning, yeah. So how do you, what, what, what are the considerations that you make when you're planning how many pieces to manufacture?
0: Well, I look at how many products I'm selling per month. Right. And then I look at my inventory and then typically I'll place another order in June or July. That will be here in August or September. So I know that I have to plan at least 90 days or more now with logistics and all the freighters sitting out in Long Beach. I have to plan more than 90 days to get inventory here. So, um, you know, I kind of watch the sales and the momentum and, um, and right now I'm getting ready to run another uh, order. Uh, we just sold out in Canada. Uh, I started selling on Amazon.ca this year and uh And we sold out. we sold out right now my uh my brother Marty is in charge of my fulfillment and shipping out of North Carolina, and he's preparing another crate on a pallet to go to uh up to Hamilton in Canada for distribution on amazon.ca
1: So do you use a three p l company or do you have your own uh, distribution warehouse kind of phone?
0: we have We have our own yeah so you
1: don't use a third party company.
0: No, I haven't. I, I I haven't used a third party other than the Amazon does, and Canada does my only fulfillment by Amazon. Everything else is done by merchant.
1: So, uh, so that's my next question. So you don't use fulfillment by Amazon. You're using, you're doing your own fulfillment. Right. Any particular reason why you chose to do your own fulfillment?
0: Um, the margins are a bit better and I can keep my family employed. And help them with uh, make some extra money uh, doing shipping and handling for me. So my my uh, my brother and his two kids they all take turns back in skate weights and other products uh, to ship around the country, and they make a little bit of money and they got some fun money. You know,
1: I see. Okay, because I was I was surprised when you said margins are better because usually what you pay for shipping individual orders. Usually, it's more expensive than what Amazon charges in fulfillment.
0: Well, the thing is, right? Because I'm selling something that's heavy, the freight cost is more. I see. so I can use a prepaid envelope for seven dollars and ship uh, two, four, five pounds of skate weights for the same price. And if somebody orders a a team order from me, it's going to be about two hundred pounds. Okay. And if I can fit those in a prepaid box at, at the U.S. Postal, it's $19 to ship it. So because of the prepaid shipping boxes that they provide, I can put up to 50 pounds in one box and they'll ship it for
1: $20. <laughs> so you must be a good customer of the United States Postal
0: Service. Yeah, yeah. We do, we do a lot of business with them
1: yeah and the, you know they appreciate that, don't they because they they are bleeding all the time
0: so well it's it's good and it's bad it's um the last couple of years, what happens is the postal carriers they don't like my product because so it's the heavy. Ones that, the ones that walk on their feet and carry the the product in bags, they hate me, yeah <laughs> right so one winter. We got over 20 customers that received an envelope with a, ship piece, with a shipping notification with the, the box cut off in, in an empty envelope. So the U.S. postal workers would cut the envelope, dump the product out, scan the barcode, put it on the porch, take a picture of it and walk away. And so I get, started getting all these calls from people around the country. It's like, hey, here's a picture of my my product. It was. It didn't show up. I'm like, ah, oh, no. These postal carriers are dumping my product and delivering an empty envelope. So, every time that happens, I have to file a claim. You know, and very rarely do I ever get paid. I usually send another. And so we had to start, like, taping our boxes and envelopes. Like you would have to use a chainsaw to get in, right?
1: So I, I had I had a similar situation when I was a seller. Uh, we were we were one of the in my district. We were the top customer for my post office, and and you're right. The postal workers don't like it because we were shipping hundreds and hundreds of packages every day. And we they gave us their bids and everything. And at the peak, we, we reached about two thousand orders a day. So they were doing two pickups from us, and it was a lot of work because they had to organize their equipment. Right. So, uh, but the postmaster loved us. He would come. He became yeah. personal friend. You know, but yeah. business. Right. And, but the postal workers and what I and we were selling fragrances and hair care and skincare stuff that people obviously like. And I actually uncovered something. What happened was they set up this, this scheme where they had one postal worker where the, the truck was being received with our stuff to be routed to wherever it was gonna go. And they were actually taking stuff out of the boxes and they're putting something else inside, something else being like paper and things like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. Like sealed. And yep. uh, and I had to complain, and they actually sent uh, an, an, an inspector from Washington, D.C. and But this is like after several complaints, because first right. it gets ignored. And in the end, they uncovered this whole thing. It was a whole gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had nothing to do with my yeah. local post office but wherever it was being routed to as the receiving depot to distribute wherever the merchandise was going to go. And that's where the whole thing was taking place. So this does happen. So you have to stay on top of it.
0: So so let's – I did something about this, okay? So there's a company called Route. It's R-O-U-T-E. Let me just type in real quick and get the name of it. Um. It's R-O-U-T-E dot com. And so I, I partnered up with Route, and, and when somebody checks out, not from Amazon, but from my website, they have an option to choose uh, mail protection for 95 cents, right? Hmm. So they, they pick the route and they add another 95 cents into the bill. And if that product doesn't get there for any reason, then Route insures it. So now, if an if envelope shows up empty, then we contact route.com and then they pay for the next shipment. I
1: see. That's, that's very useful information. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about your team. Uh, what does it take to run this Amazon operation? And
0: uh, describe the roles. What are the roles? Who does what? I mean, I've become... I've been able to become automated without a lot of employees, okay? So, you know, all of my accounting is outsourced. All of my payroll is outsourced. All of my shipping is outsourced. All of my social media um, advertising and marketing is all outsourced. So I'm typically, uh, with what we do with my products, have one or two people involved. That's about it.
1: How about, uh, I mean, it's one thing to outsource, but, you know, in the old days, old days being when the offshoring became the next best thing because, you know, hourly rates were ridiculously low. Everybody started outsourcing stuff, but then they very quickly found that this doesn't work because those people need management. So you need a glue that keeps it all together, like the central uh, processing unit. (laughs) Who is that person? Well,
0: I, I'm the glue.
1: <laughs> so you know what these people are doing
0: at all times and you I, I want to be yep. Yep. I got I got a guy that's uh Mike Carpenter that's helped me develop my websites and my Shopify stores. And I've got Eva Silva that does my copyright and um all my technical writing and, and ad ad space uh blogs and uh uh press releases and things. And uh, so they work for me and uh, on and off helping me with things. And, and, and what's what's your take on the analytics uh, the, on your listing? Uh, who,
1: who tracks? If you do, do, do you track how your listings are performing, how they are converting? Because that's also a moving target all the time, right?
0: Yeah, it is. And, and uh, you know, we try and see what ads and what videos and what social media items get the most clicks to our website that lead to sales. And then, so we might have, you know, two or three different ads running that are completely different. And then we'll see that one is outperforming the others. And then, so we'll stop running those other ads and then try and make one more similar to these that are running and producing. So you kind of got to watch, you know, what's being successful and don't put your money into, uh, you know, the the products that are being searched for uh, they're Use a, a, a random or odd search phrase as going to your product. You want to try and your, try and find your negative keywords and and get those in the list so that you know if somebody's looking for a one pound weight, they don't end up coming to my hockey product.
1: But um, so this is for advertising. Uh, what I'm talking about is on your Amazon listing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whether it's. The advertising or people search organically and then your product comes up, they right. click on it, then ultimately they, they land on your listing page, your product page. Do you track what is the conversion rate on that page out of 100 people, how many people are converting? Yeah, I mean, we… Because that is gold, right? Because whatever, if you increase the conversion, that goes straight to the bottom line Right. Improves your advertising performance and it all it has to do is what's on that page that is getting the person to say, okay, I'm gonna buy this. Do you right. track that?
0: I mean, it's kind of like sharpening a knife, right? Yeah. If you're, if you're gonna build a knife, right, you're gonna start off with a block of steel and it's not gonna cut anything. Yeah. And then when you when you start filing it, remove the layers of things that don't work, right? And the ads that don't work. And then you fine tune that blade, right? You want to keep fine tuning what works, what cuts into the audience, right? And eliminate the scrap and the, and the shrapnel that's not producing, right? So it's, uh, it's really just, I don't play, pay close enough attention like I should, um, but I do look at it, you know, very often. And it, it does help me uh, fine tune my ad content. So let me give you this perspective because you are a very analytical person.
1: So um, the, when you when I work with clients and then we are launching a listing, the ad campaign is something that I say, let's wait before we start spending money to see how your listing is converting. Because you may put ads Medium that will do really well. It's direct audience. People like it, and your ad copy is great. Your, you know, everything that your creative works, and ultimately they'll land on the listing page. And if the listing is not converting, then you want to fix that first before you start pumping money in uh, or increasing your budget. So as soon as you have a, a stabilized rate of conversion on the product page, then that is ready to start spending ad money and, and, and even scale. And, of course, this is a moving target. you know. So you have to keep tracking how my these things are converting. That's usually the recommendation I make because if your conversion rate is, let's say, 25%, and then you increase that to 35%, that's a huge impact yeah. on your ROI for the whole, whole ad campaign, on cash because it goes straight to the bottom line. So that's usually my take, but you're right. It's very hard to track that because Amazon does not make that data available. You have to download reports every day and look at it and put it in perspective and and also tie it back to the events because if you change the picture, you want to know, okay, when I change the picture, my conversion went up 5%, 10%. So those are the kinds of things that I always say, but it's, uh, it's tedious work.
0: Yeah. So I had a, I mean, I had to learn this the hard way, but I had a crazy experience with a golf product that I have. I'm a, i am I love golf and I love hockey. I'm a skier, snowboarder. I love to serve mountain bike. So I launched this golf product called putt anywhere. And, um, and I put it on Amazon. I got it all up there. It looked beautiful. And then when I went to search for it, it didn't show up like it was like on the thirtieth page. Like I typed in putt anywhere, that phrase, P-U-T-T, anywhere, mm-hmm. and, and it wouldn't show up. I'm like, I got a hold of Amazon. It's like, I just spent, you know, $60,000 in tooling and parts and shipping, logistics and packaging, and it's on Amazon and nobody can even see it, right? How do I get it to show up? There's not another product with my name, like the putt anywhere, phrase, there's not another product with that phrase in it, and mine is not showing up. So so basically, what I had to do was um, I had to create a uh, a, a, a network of people, um, basically, that would buy that product and leave a review. So until you have 15 to 20 reviews on your product, even if it's the only name on Amazon, it will not come to the front. Mm-hmm. So, you, if you're going to launch a new product with a unique name, you've got to figure out how to get reviews for that to show up on the first page. Yeah. Now, Which,
1: by the way, uh, these days Amazon is very strict
0: about it. You can't do what you've done anymore. I, I know. I know that there's rules on how to do it. Yeah, and I did follow the rules. So, I, I understand how that works.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, this is great. So, let's talk a little bit about you. So, uh, first of all, tell us about Sean Halpin. Uh, you said you live in California?
0: I do now. I'm in San Diego. Yeah, I keep, okay. I keep coming back here. It's-
1: so, where, where, where did you grow up and where did this invention idea uh,
0: come from? And, uh, t-
1: tell us about the, the origin of your creativity.
0: I mean, my dad was a small business owner, and, and a lot of my friends' dads worked at big companies. And so I came home and saw and heard the stories and saw the value and benefits to my family from being a small business owner. So that's all I really knew. And so a lot of my friends that had their parents worked at big companies, you know, they all went off and went to college, and then they got into big companies. And I always was an entrepreneur and wanted to do what my dad did, which was own his own company, right? So,
1: did you uh, did you what kind of entrepreneurial stuff did you do uh, in school when you were a little kid?
0: So, my very first project was I worked at a gym called Vic Tanny's, and uh, that was one of the large gyms when I was in high school. and And the guys that were coming in were big bodybuilders, and you know they were really into you know lifting properly. And they were paying a lot of money for these leather belts, these big leather belts that held their back so they could bench and you know not lose their back. And so I saw what they were paying for these leather belts, and uh, and so I ordered a, a side of a whole entire side of a cow leather, and I took it home. I got went down to my basement. I put some cardboard on the concrete. I put this sheet of uh, this whole entire cow, this whole side of side of beef cow leather on the, on the cardboard. And I traced the leather, uh, the leather belt shape. And then I bought some buckles and I learned in, uh, in, uh, uh, in my art class, how to do stamping on leather and create, you know, buckles and, and do riveting and things. And so then the owner let me bring my belts in and hang them on the rack at Vic Tanny. And then the big guys, they were like, Hey, you know, can you stamp, you know, uh, my company name in the back, you know, can you put a picture of a, of a, of a, of a Cobra on that, you know? And so then I started customizing these belts for these guys and it was, it was not. How, a, old, how old, old were you when
1: you were doing all this?
0: I was, uh, I was 14. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So
1: You're already an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 All, all and my- you were oh. doing production, right? You were doing production. Yeah, I, I had a little mini, mini assembly line. I had my little factory. I bought raw materials. I learned how to dye and color these leather belts. I learned how to get the buckles on, and I learned how to make them look as good or better than the ones they were buying from the stores for, like, I don't know, $40 or something, you know? And uh, so that was, uh, you know, that was one of the first things I did. And um, And then in between college, between high school and college, the summer in between, I I needed to make money to pay for my college. Um, I, I was I, I got a loan. I needed to pay the difference between the loan, so I bought a, a, I bought uh, some stencils of the numbers one two three four five all through zero, and then I I created a little banner that said you know your home could be more safe if the police and fire department could see your address down on the curb at the end of your driveway. Right. So I created this little banner. I drew it up in pencil and I was trying to pay for my college. And I, I showed, you know, a little picture of a fire truck out in front of a house. And, and, uh, and so then I, I started selling, <laughs> I started painting numbers on the end of the driveway on the curb. So people would pay me $5 to, to, uh, uh, to paint the four numbers on the end of the curb with white paint. Right. So here I was running around all these neighborhoods in Michigan with this little stencil kit, which cost me about a dollar, right? And I was making like $50 an hour painting numbers on curves, right? So I was like, I don't know if I'm even going to make this when I get out of college, you know? So if I needed money, my mom would say, go paint curves. And off I'd go through my little neighborhood around in Troy, Michigan. And, I, and I'd go paint these, these four little numbers on the curbs at the end of the driveways. And I was making between $30 and $50 an hour every time I went out. So then I did that, you know, along with a bunch of other jobs. Uh, and I also worked at my dad's printing shop. But uh, so then I went to, you know, got college and got my degree in uh, automotive design and technical illustration. And I went and got a job and I think I was making like $16 an hour. <laughs> right, after my degree that's like at the time like 32,000 a year which was pretty good for a college grad and I was like my daughter I'm like wait a minute why am I doing this right I was making I was making $50 an hour painting numbers on curbs with no degree and now I have a degree and I'm making $16 an hour you know, thirty-two thousand year with overtime, maybe forty. You know, I don't know, but uh, I went through the same, you know, learning curve that she did. You know, and uh, so then, of the course, that led to other things. And and uh... so
1: I want to, I want to, we're kind of coming up to the end of the show, uh, and I want to end with something that really inspired me when you and I first talked, uh, and that's what basically gave birth to your nurture. Bullet product. But this was after the uh, financial meltdown. Uh, you were sitting in your office with all this. So describe that, 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 how that, what was, what were the circumstances and how it felt and then, and what happened?
0: Well, uh, yeah, my industry uh, in automotive design and engineering has been like a roller coaster, right? Up and down and up and down. Always. Yeah. And, uh, and we went, you know, I built a design company in my basement. We started working on, on a door that was on, uh, a couple of, uh, workhorses. So I had me, I was sitting in one corner and my buddy Rich Newman was sitting in another corner. And then another kid I hired, his name was Josh Vincent. Uh, we trained him how to do automotive design in my basement and uh And so he was working in the in on, on a door uh you know also, so we went from my basement to an office that held six people to an office that held twelve people to an office that held twenty five people over the years. Mm. And then the uh, stock market crashed and and I lost everybody. I lost my whole team, and so I was the only person sitting in my office with you know paying rent for 25 cubicles to sit there. And I just thought, you know what? I'm never going to be caught in one industry with one product again in my life. And so from that moment on, I started developing my products. And now I've got six products on Amazon. I've got a hockey product, which is Power Skater. I've got a restaurant product, which is Grab It Products. I've got a music product which is Guna's Pix. We've got a uh, we've got a, a disc a disc golf product which is uh, Disc Trever, and now we've got the Stringlightcovers product, which is an overhead lighting uh, an overhead lighting product um, that I've got. So you've got the string lights, the string lights that hang. Mm-hmm. Let's see, is that going to come into focus? Um, yeah. yeah. So you got your patio lights out back, mm-hmm. right? And this is actually a sample that I'm sending to USC to get licensing approval. So this this logo will illuminate on your patio in your backyard where you're sitting. So this is a product that I can I can promote to uh, alumni, college alumni, and um, and around the country. So notice it says SUC. Yeah, yeah. You cannot send a, a product with USC on it to get approval for licensing. Yeah. If you send a product in with USC on it, you're in violation of licensing. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to move the letters around and I'm going to ship this over there in like next week. Mm-hmm. And this is my latest project, which is string light covers. Um, and I'm going to be starting in Southern California, getting licensing from USC, UCSD, UCLA, and some of the local colleges in this area. And then I'm going to promote to the college alumni from those colleges to promote that product. Uh, this is another one right here. This is a uh, an event company called Flagship, and uh, and so they can they can hang these over events, uh, whether they be weddings or uh promotional products or auto shows or or you can put your branding on these now uh you they're really intended for backyards for putting in
1: yeah, for parties in, and things like that
0: graduation yeah. parties mother's day is coming up yeah streamlight so, you you know you are so
1: passionate about products you very yeah. uh very easily shifted from your story to uh, the products. but for me really this is very inspiring because this is for also everybody to really see that you know one of the biggest crises, you know financial meltdown, the whole monetary system was in crisis, they, they did everything. It was so close to Armageddon if you listen to the financial people. and that's where you were having laid off all 50 people. You're sitting in an empty office, and and what you're thinking about is not all, oh, you know, how am I gonna do this? Instead, you're working on a product idea, and this is where you are today. To, to me, this is the biggest story, really. Your products, are, of course they are nice, but well, that, back that to that the show's
0: strength. You no, know, back, back to the original question was is what do you do when the rug is pulled out from under you? Yeah. Great. Right? How many times will a dog run into a swinging foot, right? You know, the first time he didn't know any better. The second time he forgot, the third time he deserved it. So through the years, what I've done is develop very simple products. All of my products are very, very simple over the years for when possibly everything took another dive, right? Yeah. March of 2020, what happened? COVID. Yeah. I was designing... The F-150 front quarter panel for Ford on the 20, in 2020, I was working on the 2024 F-150 front fender, designing it here remotely, and COVID hit, and I lost it. And I lost, again, my whole team. But in 2020, when everything crashed, I had been chipping away at my products, and when 2020 took a crash, I had at the time, four, five products that I could instantly move my energy to and then promote, keep promoting them and working on them. Yeah. So you so,
1: diversified very well. And, I, I
0: and that's what I want to encourage people to do is if you're relying on one thing for everything forever and it gets taken out from under you, what are you going to do? How are you going to put food on the table? Exactly.
1: So this is great, Sean. So tell people how they can reach you. Uh, we'll obviously put the information on our website and also on, on YouTube uh, when the episode
0: goes live.
1: Uh, tell us about your contact information, how people can reach you.
0: Yeah, you can get a hold of me at helpin Solutions. That's Helping with an A. A? Yeah. H-H-A. <laughs> helpin helping yeah. with an A. H-A-L-P-I-N solutions.com mm-hmm. and you can read about me and my story and you can go to help art and see my gallery of artwork that I've been working on through the years. I'm also an artist and you can see help and products are the six very, very simple products that have inspired by something in my life to develop. And all of them are, are, I've been able to pay for all of them to be developed out of my own pocket without any investors. And you'll see they're very simple. Great.
1: Thank you, Sean. This has been uh, inspiring for me, and uh, it's making uh, lemonade out of lemons. You are the uh, ultimate example. So, So Thank thank you for coming to the show.
0: Somehow I've been on my own payroll since 1995, and I'm motivated by fear of having to work for somebody else.
1: (laughs) That's a great fear to have. Thank you again. And uh, and that brings us to the end of another episode, and uh, see you on the next one.
0: Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.